Welcome to Founders Unfiltered by a junior VC. We are your hosts, Mazin and Aviral. Aviral, what are some of the biggest challenges that early stage startups face these days? Oh, if you ask me what the biggest challenge is today, number one by a mile is hiring engineers. Engineering talent is so difficult to get nowadays that every company will do anything to get good engineers. And I think India is full of talented engineers and a lot of people who could become senior engineers. I think if, you, if you've been tracking the news, Coinbase essentially hired the ex-Google Pay head to lead their engineering efforts, right? And he'll be based out of India. I, I think that's a great Philip and a great positive, but it's a huge challenge. The engineers, good engineers are scarce. Hiring them is tough at all stages. And I think it's a big challenge that someone needs to solve. Our guest this week, Abhimanyu, the founder of Scale Academy, is one of those founders that is tackling this problem. Abhimanyu grew up in a small town when no one around him owned a computer. His interest in tech began in college, where he was exposed to the right learning environment. That's where he met his co-founder as well. And the two of them went on to study engineering in the US and work at high-growth startups. While working, they discovered how hard it is for companies to scale a talented tech team. And they noticed that there's a huge gap in what companies needed and what was taught in college. They started InterviewBit, a website that helped people prepare for tech interviews by using high-quality content. This idea received good traction, but they felt there was a bigger problem at hand to be solved. So they founded Scalar Academy, a virtual university that acts as a focused guide with mentors, relevant courses, and the correct learning environment. Abhimanyu talks about how important it is for companies to hire the right talent as bad hires hit the hardest in the tech domain. He explains the hiring process and suggests ways that both companies and employees should go about it. Join us to learn how Abhimanyu built Scalar Academy and is improving tech hiring. Hey Abhimanyu, thank you so much for taking our time to speak to us. Really excited to learn more and listen to your journey over the years with Scalar. Hey, thank you so much Averil for hosting me and super glad to be speaking to the audience of AGVC today. Thank you so much for inviting me over. No, it's a pleasure Abhimanyu. I think you've had a very interesting journey in some ways not really like the linear you know raise a first round raise a seed round then in one year raise a series a and then in two years raise a series b and just keep growing like that i think there was a very interesting process of discovery that you had and i'd love to deep dive into that but before we get there just would love to understand where did you grow up any interesting learnings from your early days how was college and you know how you ended up doing what you're doing today so yeah you know i have had a fairly i can say fairly interesting journey uh, since a childhood so i was born in a very small uh, town called amarkantak which is like i think back in 90s it might have had a population of 500 or so i remember some funny anecdotes which actually in the hindsight look funny it was pretty normal there that there was no petrol pump in the entire town or there was no telephone in the entire town so 
did see you know the part where uh, which m- m- might be very very unimaginable to many in the current generation so i studied there went to the local schools and interestingly another fun fact that before i joined triplet hyderabad back in 2006 before going to college i had never used a computer like i had only used computer to maybe check exam results you know to see what percent marks i get in the exam or whether i got selected in one of those competitive exams or not funny is that i ended up in a college which is famous for just computer science and i ended up uh, building a company which is all about computer science and which kind of in the hindsight tells a very important thing that it doesn't matter where you are today right you can learn anything uh, after not having even touched a computer before joining college to kind of building couple of products and companies when in college itself that was very very fascinating so basically in the right environment and uh, you know if you have the right mentors one can you know like no matter where you come from no matter what you know as of today you can always learn things and do things so that have been a key learning going from there uh, went to triplet hyderabad and uh, anshuman who is my other co-founder at scale and interview bit so we both had been doing a lot of projects in college like we can say we became the co-founders when in college itself although we had not started any company yet after college just like most of the engineers we ended up joining companies which were pretty fascinating we both were fortunate enough to join two very very young startups which didn't remain the small startup they both grew very very fast so i joined a new york based fashion startup called fab.com i was their second engineer and probably i think fourth or fifth employee and fab ended up becoming one of the fastest growing unicorn in the world like uh, back in 2000 i think 13 we were only 17 or 18 month old when we became a unicorn anshuman on the other hand had joined another very very young startup back then with i think less than 100 employees called facebook which also ended up kind of becoming massive massive wow okay <laughs> amazing had you, did you have a thing for companies that had fab in them I'm just joking <laughs> just curious yeah, observation yeah. Like, yeah yeah i think yeah. more of a coincidence we didn't have a lot of insights about it you know for both of us it was more of that you know we just land, ended up at the right place at the right time and this journey of of course also taught a lot you know being in a startup at this stage what it helps with that the amount of experiences that one would otherwise accumulate maybe over a pe- period of 10 or 15 years but working in that environment you accumulate all those experiences within few years so basically you crunch a lot of experiences into a very short span of time so that helped a lot uh, so we worked there for about 3 to 4 years and uh, given the pace at which both the companies were expanding we were having to uh, build a very high impact solid tech team at a very rapid pace and that is where we you know noticed a very very interesting problem that there's a huge gap that exists between you know what industry needs what let's say facebook or fab what they need when they are wanting to build a very you know kick ass tech team versus what our universities are preparing our youth for but then both of us thought that you know why not instead of just scribbling about <laughs> how pathetic job our education system is doing uh, why not do something to fix that so that is when around uh, end of 2014 when both of us decided that let's quit the job and let's try to build something which can fix the issue so that is how interview bit was born where we tried to build a platform which can help techies learn the stuff that you know tier 1 tech companies seek and scaler was a natural progression where we realized that uh, just content is not enough what really helps someone learn is an environment right that is why a library for example even if i push 
someone into a library with tens of thousands of books that really doesn't help however what helps is a environment a set of mentors and people around me who i can learn with and you know someone to guide on a very focused curriculum so that is how scalar was born today we have thousands of alumni who all are working in tier 1 tech companies and of course long way to go i'm sure long long way to go on the mission of creating an abundance of tech talent in india so long way to go but uh, very very grateful and satisfying journey so far in fixing this problem that's a wonderful story of you know how you actually found the problem i think that's how most founders end up starting companies because they face the problem themselves they realize that it's an acute problem and then they start building and then they realize that hey the opportunity is so big can you talk us through a little bit about the early days and you know as i know about you very non standard start i think you guys you know didn't raise too much capital i think we were bootstrap for a very long time yeah we were bootstrapped for full uh, straight four years right exactly right so I, i was just confirming because it's sometimes it's not reported but you know you bootstrap for four years and then you suddenly like hit the pedal and you raise like a massive round uh, how, how was that journey and process and why the decision to bootstrap for so long and then suddenly i know it's not all of a sudden you must have been thinking about it but for other people it's like hey this company is bootstrap for so long and now it's suddenly raised capital so what was that journey like yeah, so to be very very candid when we started the company like one of the framework that often entrepreneurs function in is that uh, we will build a prototype we will have initial traction and then we will raise some funds and then we will scale but uh, the framework that we started with itself was uh, you know slightly different given as a background both of us we are first time entrepreneurs right we this is our first startup and as engineers fundraisers or vc investments is not something that we were much aware of but we knew that we are good techies and there is something that we know that we can contribute to so from day one we decided that yeah you know let's not plan the fundraise because that's not something that we understand well whether that happens doesn't happen shouldn't be our business our mission shouldn't be dependent on that so from day one we were very very clear that let's try to build a business which can be sustainable which we can keep going on irrespective of whether we raise funds or not an ideal if if it is a self sustainable business so interview bit was that to be very candid day one while we knew that this is a massive problem and it's need fixing but we didn't have a very clear monetization plan on day one one thing we knew was that this will create a massive value for a lot of people in our country so people who have little or no guidance about building a strong career in tech it definitely builds massive value for them and second the network effect that once we create a build community of techies it will be a massive value for the employers as well because we had ourselves seen how hard it is for employer employers to hire good engineers right and we we just started off with the thought that we are creating massive value for two such segments we are sure we will be able to figure out one way or other to sustain the business irrespective of whether we raise funds or not fortunately we were able to uh, just about 6 to 9 months into the journey we were able to get uh, sources of revenue not from b2c like we kept interviewbit entirely free today a entirely free learning platform but we partnered with a bunch of companies you know be it amazon facebook uh, amazon and facebook were our first clients who paid us and as i often 
often say, uh, keep saying that uh, your customers are probably your best investors because when they are giving you money, you are actually serving them right then and there. So it cannot go wrong. So I would say that we were fortunate to have Amazon and Facebook kind of back up us. Of course, we were providing them services. We were helping them hire engineers and uh, they were paying us decently for that, which was enough to sustain. And then the next few years just kept on going. Like actually, we have been a profitable business since inception for last five years. We have throughout been a profitable business. So it was more of that whatever things we are doing, we do not need to raise funds. It's a business which is scaling uh, fairly well and there's no need of external capital. You know, like we we had this philosophy that you do not raise just for the sake of raising money, but you should raise when you know that there are bigger opportunities that you can play on and execute if you can invest more capital in it, right? Uh, between 2018 and 19, so this was the part when, you know, when we were entirely bootstrapped for the initial four years, uh, almost till the beginning of 2019. In 2019, however, we started working on a concept, uh, the concept of scalar, where we said that not only a free online learning platform, but can we build a virtual university in itself, right? Where it's very high engagement, there are live lectures. And when we went back to the whiteboard doing the math that, you know, what kind of uh, pre-investment we will have to make before it can become self-sustainable, we did realize that it does need a massive amount of capital. While we did, we had capital accumulated uh, in the first four years of running a profitable business. But, you know, of course, one risk factor is that you cannot keep all eggs in one basket or move too close to an edge that if it doesn't work out, then you are in bad shape. That is when we thought that we can go ahead and raise uh, capital. And I think of, uh, you know, our investors, again, I would say that we've been very, very fortunate to have some of uh, legendary and uh, most reputed uh, VCs to back us up. So we were part of the first cohort of uh, Sequoia's search program. And then right after that, uh, Sequoia and uh, Tiger, they both uh, kind of decided that they will would want to further back our mission with the Series A investment. So that, that has been the journey. The reason to raise, not raise in the initial years was that, of course, we were able to run a growing business in, uh, in a sustainable mode. However, this uh, bigger ambition of creating a virtual university of future, that is something that we knew that we do not have capital to bootstrap it. Uh, that is, you know, the reason that we then went ahead with this supposedly massive fun, uh, series A with Tiger and Sequoia. Yeah, no, no, it is not supposedly massive. It is massive uh, as a first round of capital after a seed. So, so congratulations on that. And I think it's been, it's been pretty good. You are focused on talent, right? And hiring. So, you know, your hiring is really important. Everyone says it and all companies, you know, talk about how important talent is, but you are an organization that builds talent as a business, right? So, can you talk to us about the importance of hiring and any learnings that you have seen given you've been integrated into this so deeply? So it might sound like a cliche, but, you know, I will still say it that your company is net of the kind of people you have in your team, right? And if you settle to hire not the best or if you settle to hire the mediocre people in the team, you should only hope that at best your company can also be mediocre uh, because as I said that your company is nothing but net of your team right and uh, like I, I have seen multiple cases while it might sound very surprising there but often we, we fall into particularly the first time entrepreneurs often we fall into this pitfall that I do not need to hire the best I can even get someone who is just good enough and, and I'll get the work done by them and because you know I have I can do stuff and I just need someone who I can guide and get the work done but sooner 
one realizes that you need to be hiring the best like uh, in tech for example they say that uh, uh, like you know this word 10x engineers right and it actually you know 10x uh, or not but i have seen it multiple times that if you hire multiple people who might not be the best skills in the game and instead of that if you hire just one person who actually knows his or her uh, things around tech uh, in real depth, that one person might outperform multiple people who you might end up hiring maybe for lesser salary or with lesser hard work for example uh, there is uh, this company workday where the ceo was personally involved in hiring first thousand engineers right if not engineers maybe might be first thousand employees i am not too sure because i read that long long back but that is how important it is all right and there's another saying that you know i have heard from many of my mentors and i also very strongly believe in that when you hire an a person then that person is also going to hire another a with him or her however if you hire b then people who are rated b they are only going to hire c and d the reason being that someone who is at b they would never want to hire someone who is better than them and uh, probably they would only want to hire people who can work under them where they can tell what to do not to do right so it's very very important that you only start with hiring an A's so that you know your entire team consists of all A players. If you start with B, then your future team can at best be C or D. And I am sure that no no founder or no person building a team would want to be in that situation. Thanks, Abhimanyu. That was that was quite insightful. So our topic for this week's episode is building talent dense organizations. So to start off with, can you maybe explain to us what does it mean to you a talent dense organization, and how do you as an organization get there? Uh, see, you know, like of course the definition of density. If we just go back to our high school book, you know, mass divided by volume, right? And if we map it to the talent dense organization, you know, it's it's just about uh, what kind of uh, score can I give to an average person in the team, right? So if I say that net talent divided by number of people, so lesser the people and higher the talent, that is what constitutes a talent dense organization. And as an example, maybe I can talk about few companies. If we look back at the WhatsApp and Instagram. two of the most massive acquisitions done by facebook in the past both these companies i think if i uh, i my numbers might be slightly off but uh, uh, i think instagram had 12 people when it got acquired by uh, facebook for a billion dollar and i think uh, whatsapp had some 18 or 25 people in the team when it was acquired by facebook for a whopping uh, 18 billion dollars right now if you see like even at the time of acquisition whatsapp had few hundreds of millions daily active users and there were probably 10 or 12 engineers who were supporting it all what that means is that every single engineer on an average was servicing few tens of millions of people right uh, and uh, like similar story i have heard from facebook's early days as well that in the early days of facebook the team which was managing facebook video was one like there was just one person who was managing entire facebook video platform on the other hand at the same time uh, other leading video companies had a team of hundreds of engineers but despite that actually facebook was performing better in terms of video distribution than a lot of other larger companies so this is what i mean by talent dense organization where individuals are you know so so capable and a smaller team is able to deliver much larger outputs than a company which is more of counting a huge headcount but not really creating those kind of impacts and if you see you know like it's hard to find any company with 10000 engineers which might have created a massive impact in a very short span of time those are great examples of how impactful just a, a few solid engineers can be and you spoke about this concept of 10x engineers how do you find them how do you go about hiring uh, such people 
So I would I, I would maybe narrow a little bit on tech specific hiring because probably that's the domain that I kind of have most amount of experience with. So first thing is that in tech particularly the bad hires hit you even harder, right? Because uh, tech is a domain which is kind of you know as we say that it's a piece of art and if you are creating a piece of art you do not want even one person who can just go and mess with it uh, because the cost will be pretty high. It might just ruin the entire piece of art. But at the same time it doesn't mean that uh, you have to just keep saying no to you because if you are too slow to hire good people then definitely it's going to slow you down right so in tech couple of things and it is you know like one very interesting thing is that uh, the tech interviewing over time uh, particularly at the larger companies you know, the likes of facebook or google's of the world there have been pretty interesting phase in which these companies have been able to put a good filter to how to find the right techies right so for example to begin with you would want people who understand the problem really well before they actually jump into building a solution one technique that i that worked best for me personally and even i have seen pretty large companies employing it as well that in an interview you always start with a problem which you leave very very ambiguous and you watch for the person to ask counter questions before they jump into suggesting solutions to the problem right versus a person who just jumps into building the solution without first removing the ambiguity from the problem uh, is probably going to function in the same way when working at the job as well which is probably less than ideal another thing is that you would want people who actually define the boundary cases like what all could happen and should be handled before you start building the solution right so what are the corner cases that could be there be it the business scenario be it the tech scenario but an efficient individual would think of all the corner cases before even the person starts building the solution and second is like in interviews personally i never try to uh, judge someone on what all they know but more of what all can they deduce and derive from the no- information or knowledge that is available to them at the moment right so basically like uh, being able to first put a structure to an ambiguous problem second being able to define the boundaries really well before you jump into building the problem these two i think i i i find uh, non negotiable uh, capabilities for a good techie it makes a lot of sense uh, but what about the softer skills what levers or traits are you looking for Oh, there I have a very interesting anecdote actually. So first thing is that you know, like one very very interesting and uh, characteristic that I see is that people who know stuff, they always know what they do not do, right? On the other hand, someone who comes with just superficial exposure to things, it's very easy for them to start believing that I already know quite a lot, right? One in- uh, interesting anecdote that I heard uh, from some of the friends at Facebook in the early days is that uh, this uh, you know Ukrainian uh, programmer, I am forgetting his name, who was a part of the group which created C++ with uh, John Starstruck uh, he i think still works at facebook and uh, when he was interviewing at facebook someone like it's a standard question to ask that you know how much would you rate yourself in your favorite programming language on a scale of 10 and he rated himself 6 out of 10 while he was one of the person who created c++ and that shows two things one is of course humility that there is more that i can learn and second is also the fact about knowing that what i don't know because someone who knows enough will always know what all i don't know so this is also something that i have also personally observed in my interviews anyone 
who rated himself above 9 or 10 either they would perform very poorly in the interview itself or later at the job right because this believe that i know everything is always a recipe for disaster so a little bit of humility and you know knowing that there's lot more to be learned and understood is something i think which is very very important second is about just being a team player right that in your past work do the person just thinks that uh, all the credit is mine i did everything or is it more of uh, someone who understands that like me plus someone else in the team is gonna be more than two it's gonna be more than that right because together uh, we can leverage each, each other's strengths and weaknesses third one uh, maybe not precisely the soft skill but more of a high value non technical capability that i do believe is makes uh, techy much more impactful is having business context so not the people who would just say that tell me what i need to do and i'll code it up that's not what makes a biggest impactful engineer but someone who can rather have more context and also talk about that what should be done and you know what is the purpose of whatever code or feature they are developing so like overall these three things that i see that along with the hard skills capabilities in programming people with humility to and curiosity to learn more people who can uh, function well with others and people who have a little bit of business context and can start with why that why are we building this they generally thrive much better in a product company's environment Now I want to kind of break this down from the two different perspectives. So one from as an employer, what do you do to make yourself conducive to attracting the best talent? And the other from an employee perspective, how do you compare employers? So we can start off with the employer perspective. Absolutely. No, so as an employer, you know, Mazin, and that's a very great question. I'm glad that you asked it. As an employer, I think one has to understand that your biggest brand bearers are going to be people who are working with you. a lot of companies do talk about nps for the customers the net promoter score but i think it is uh, equally if not more important to also track nps of your employees right that how likely are the people working in your team or how likely are they to recommend this workplace to to people in their friend circle or family uh, that's one of the most important thing because the highest quality tech talent would come from the people who are already part of it there's nothing like it if someone working in your company wants to bring his friends or his siblings to work for this company so that's very very important like you may call it high nps score for the employees often you know it's a, it's a myth that having football table in the office or having delicious meals alone helps that definitely is a great thing if your budget allows for it of course uh, treat uh, them with these uh, physical pleasures as much as uh, you can but i think much more important than that is something which is much more fundamental in context of a, a work environment which is having a well defined well laid out growth path for each individual where they are kept constantly challenged and keeping them rewarded and appreciated about it so like unfortunately i have seen you know well funded startups falling into this trap where they might have a ultra fancy office or all the physical perks but if the people do not have a well defined growth path and if they are not appreciated then all of these things just remain the bells and whistles so like my advice uh, you know to all the founders who might be listening is that focus on ensuring that uh, people in the team they know what their growth path could be what they can grow into and when they do move needles when they do you know, create impact make sure that they are appreciated for that so this is about the employer side and if you take care of that naturally you know your glassdoor ratings are going to be naturally high people working with you are going to say great things to others 
so that is kind of the organic uh, mode second thing which is i think i would also say is that uh, as a founder it is very very important that you talk about uh, the mission and vision of the company why you are doing what you are doing we have been very fortunate where some of our best hires have been inbound where they just came to us and said that uh, you guys are doing something great and i would love to be part of it and for that it is very important that you know you actively speak out about what mission are you on for us maybe we are little bit more fortunate that education is a sacred domain it's a holy business right so it's easier for us to kind of uh, build a mission driven team uh, it might not be that as easy for some other businesses but overall i'm sure that every company always have certain mission talking about it always helps attract the very high quality talent so you know this is about the employer side and as an engineer myself i would probably also and this is also something very very close to my heart that given there are so many you know large mncs mid cap companies fascinating startups out there how would i decide as an engineer that which companies i should probably explore so the framework that i often advise to even people who are uh, with scalar learners with scalar and it's a very very common thing actually often they would be reaching out to me that i have got these three options how should i decide which one i should explore further right particularly i will talk in context of startups because with larger companies it's often uh, you know much more information is present but with the startups there are two very very important factors one is that what are they doing what is this company trying to fix and i as an engineer am i able to build a conviction that this is a fairly big problem to be solved and if someone solves it it's definitely going to be fairly big so this is the first parameter and second important parameter is that whether the current team which is trying to solve this problem am i able to build a conviction that they are capable enough to solve this problem if answer to both these two things is a yes then there is no brainer why you shouldn't be part of this rocket ship which might become something really really big in few years even without these two there might be some you might join some companies just because of a very strong founding team for an opportunity to learn from them but if if both of these are met then i think like take my word that rarely happens and do not miss an opportunity if you see these two so that really helps that framework for employees to kind of evaluate uh, roles so I wanted to ask you about the actual interview process itself we spoke about employees and, and employers and this process of interviewing it it's kind of a back and forth where employees are learning about the company uh, and at the same time you're learning about them so are there any kind of tips especially for early stage founders who are you know kind of just recruiting their first few engineers about how they should go about the process So talking from an employer's perspective or founder's perspective particularly when hiring for tech do not think of increasing headcounts rather try to find people who are much stronger at their job that is the first thing that I would definitely say also do not hire people who might be coming in just because of the bigger paycheck uh, that you might be giving so like of course one good way around that is having a good esop component in the mix and that will naturally filter out uh, those people and actually esop also kind of ensures that when you build the company big then these people who have given their sweat and you know nights to build it big they also have a huge upside one great thing i am already seeing that a lot of engineers who have started valuing esop much more than before another thing i would say that be more generous with the esops like often early stage also this thing kicks in that we do not want to give out too much equity too early but to take my word if you find really good people to be part of the mission very very early on it is a good thing like for us it worked really well to be very generous with the esops for the team because that ensures that you have really strong people retained with you for many 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 years to come in terms of evaluating do not compromise on depth so generally that t shaped talent framework that is often talked about that the person should have depth into at least one thing right and then they should have a horizontal exploration phase 
there you can see that they have curiosity to explore and learn a lot of things with specialization in one thing right so for example in terms of programming language i would never reject someone because they do not know a specific programming language but they should be in depth in at least one programming language right even if it is the only programming language they know because if someone who has superficial knowledge of too many things you will not be able to rely them on doing some really really complex or intellectually demanding stuff. so yeah uh, look for depth look for curiosity one pitfall that often companies uh, fall into is let's say i i might be very specific that i want someone who must know certain library or framework that generally is futile if you hire someone who is uh, very curious who is sharp and who is hard working learning any new technology or framework will be a thing of just few weeks and when you are hiring someone for next 5 years a week or two of learning curve doesn't really matter and this is actually you know something which worked best for pretty much all the top tech companies in the world like if we talk about facebook google twitter uh, whatsapp in the early days none of them ever bothered about that which language do you code in which framework do you work on etc rather go for the fundamentals try to evaluate for their depth into things that they have done in the past and how much curiosity do they have to learn the new stuff that's amazing i think you've given like this entire playbook uh for people to build up their teams both from you know if you're hiring talented people as well as if you're a talented person looking out for a really good gig what's your view on the indian ecosystem from a tech standpoint today and just if you could give us some color on the tech landscape how is engineering uh evolving how is talent evolving how are people looking at startups tech companies Uh, i'm sure you've seen that evolution over the last 6 years which has been pretty big for the indian ecosystem i'm uh, very very optimistic uh, i'm seeing really great uh, growth uh, in the tech one very you know kind of a hidden fact is that like people who might be uh, wanting to upskill like in india of course as we all know that there is no dearth of engineers in india but one interesting fact is that uh, despite that pretty much all the startups all the product companies they are always struggling to hire more people for their teams and the fact is actually you know you would be surprised that when we talk about say 50 best product companies of india their interview to selection ratio might be as poor as 1 to 2% so essentially they are having to interview 100 people before they can roll out one or two offers that is a big problem that has to fix in india which is providing this opportunity to upskill themselves to be really good programmers not just a programmer and to cater to this need right so there's a huge demand in the product companies for high quality engineers but actually they struggle to fill all the positions they have because of not having like india doesn't have abundance of tech talent right now but that actually you know while one may look at it as a problem but that is also a huge opportunity that if we have such large number of young talented people young talented hard working people who can be just under right guidance who can be made into fantastic developers and then probably you know indian ecosystem may boom like anything it might even become a tech tech ecosystem bigger than that of silicon valley so that is what i see you know like even in the prior years there has been steady growth post covid also some very very interesting uh, dynamics to the play because now the global employers are now more and more open to hire remote uh, engineers in india so uh, much better uh, learning earning opportunity for people who are really really well skilled but of course it all comes with being at the best of your game i'm sure there are you know plenty of opportunities for them amazing and what is the near future look like for scaler Oh well, near future uh, the mission is simple that we need to fix the 
issue of shortage of tech talent right and not just fix the shortage of tech talent but create an abundance of tech talent in 2020 we had uh, somewhere around 1500 people who graduated from scaler and now they are working at uh, tier 1 product companies in this year probably we would want to change that number to 10000 but of course that's a, a massive endeavor but the impact that it can create i'm sure it will be all worth putting that effort so yeah my dream would be that none of the startups have to we can just help them hire the best engineers who can build them uh, build their unicorns that's a brilliant goal and a and a good place to ask our last question that we ask all our guests what's one piece of unfiltered feedback or advice that you've got over your time as a founder or your career uh, that's really stayed with you and you'd like to share with us it's the reason why we call this podcast founders unfiltered right so unfiltered feedback or advice that i have gotten that helped me uh, as a founder hmm let me think about it because of course there have been many but i would want to pick one uh, which is uh, the most helpful So I think this was one from you know Rajan who has been a mentor and guide for quite some time Rajan Anandan and uh, his one thing was that always have the end goal in mind often what happens is that in day to day hustle of meeting various objectives goals targets it is very very important that you know we keep the end goal in mind and ensure that every single activity we are doing while of course there might be a lot of auxiliary things as well but none of these activities are misaligned or opposite to the end goal right while uh, talking about it i also had another one in mind so that was from rajan which actually stayed with me that uh, and of course you know like that that simple management principles that define objectives and make sure that all the initiatives are aligned with the objective so that while uh, sounds pretty simple but actually when you put it into practice day to day helps a lot execute things in the right way the other one is actually from another mentor that i have known since my college days uh, prasanna who is a founder and cto of rippling and before that he was a cto of benefits so he just said one simple thing that uh, and this is this is something he had i think uh, said to me back in 2015 when we had just started uh, which was that every single thing that you do or you say just make sure that you are totally comfortable even if it is published in new york times and then you don't need to worry about anything so that is also something that you know like which is kind of uh, one of the core uh, company philosophy as well that every single thing that we do should match this criteria otherwise and if there is any doubt about it then it should not be done right so these two i think are two advices uh, uh, that have stayed with me and i do believe that you know are very very profound amazing no they are i think i think pretty deep and come from a lot of experience makes a lot of sense thanks a lot abhimanyu for your time really enjoyed the conversation i learned a lot i'm sure mazan did as well look forward to sharing this with our listeners awesome same here uh, aviral and mazan thank you so much for hosting me today and uh, would love to hear feedbacks uh, from the audience as well thank you so much for tuning in to founders unfiltered hope you enjoyed this week's episode join us next week for another episode of AJVC unfiltered where we talk about our latest piece 